Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sock Takes Pod. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. Alongside me is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and Sock Takes staff writer, John Leonard, based out in the Dallas area. John, what's going on, man? Uh, tech support. This is totally the first time <laughs> we've recorded this intro, and any thoughts you might have to the contrary are entirely an illusion. <laughs> Yeah, this is our second attempt trying to record this pod. We had a, a bit of a rough go of it there with the first one with some tech difficulties. So apologies to our guests who I'll introduce here in a second. Um, but one thing before we introduce our, our excellent guest, I noticed when we were uh, about 50 plus already episodes into the Sock Takes pod that we had yet to have a single active professional soccer player. So I immediately wanted to rectify that. And we did that in the last episode with uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC center back Hugh Roberts. So we had him on the show. Now we're right back with another pro this time around. So um, luckily we reversed that trend quite quickly. Another thing in common, our last guest, Hugh Roberts, also has his own podcast. So hint, hint, this professional player also has his own podcast. It's none other than a forward for Reno 1868 FC, Sydney Rivera. Sydney, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. So, first things first, let's jump right into the game that your squad played just last night. A 2-0 road win at Portland Timbers 2. Looked like you guys were already kind of right there on the brink of clinching a playoff spot, but it wasn't, I guess, mathematically locked up until your big win last night. Um, What was the vibe uh, with the squad after that win, Uh, and what were your thoughts on the game itself, Sydney? Oh, it's a big game. Big game to go into uh, a team that's in front of you in, in the table. So it, it was a big game for us to go in there away from home. Uh, we had a nice little home stand here the last week and a half. Um, you know, to go into Portland and, and get a get a win and three points is big time. We move up in the table, and uh, now we just have our eyes focused on uh, Saturday. Saturday is a big game in Phoenix, um, and after that game, you know, we have we're playing the next top two teams. So Phoenix is in second place. I think they want to finish in first and OC is trying to hold on to their, uh, to their first place uh, spot right now. So it's a big two weeks coming up for us and uh, you know, we'll see who we get in the playoffs. And uh, as recently as earlier this year, you were with Atlantic city FC of the NPSL and expansion side. Uh, you were kind of left there in limbo after the, the NASL decided to take a hiatus for 2018, um, which left your, your previous club prior to that, Puerto Rico FC, kind of in limbo as well. So a very short period of time, you kind of joined Atlantic City FC. And then um, h- how difficult was it when you finished up the NPSL season from then until when the, the USL rosters recently locked, uh, how difficult was it for you to, to kind of find a landing spot and a home out there in Reno? Oh, you know, it's, it wasn't easy at all. Um, you know, this off season being what it was, there was a lot of, a lot of free players. There was a influx of, uh, you know, of players just because of the league, the league situation. So it was tough not to get, into uh, a team before you know before the before preseason and before the regular season started but um you know with some help of uh some of my agents uh they really you know helped me you know pj savage along with the guys at sports management worldwide 
uh, worked together to to really get me this this opportunity here in Reno, and I'm just thankful to be back in a professional you know in professional environment, and uh, you know looking forward to to the rest of the season. And a quick follow-up to that. Did you have at all kind of an in there in Reno, or was it just a matter of uh, your agency, as you mentioned, just kind of, you know, working the phones, or was there a connection there, whether it was you or your agent? How did it – why Reno? Yeah, man, I don't know. I think my agent just told me, you know, that they were looking for for strikers, that they were pretty – had some injuries at the striker position, so – you know, he plugged me in there, and that, that's really how it worked. I think that's how, especially this time of year, um, that's the way, you know, these roster freezes and things like that. Teams are trying to add, you know, depth and, and you know, important positions before they make a playoff run. So that's exactly how it worked out for me. John? I'm I'm just I'm honestly pretty curious about your time with Puerto Rico because that was actually the uh, first story I ever wrote when I joined Sock Takes and I'm curious about what the transition was initially like heading from playing in USL for Louisville and uh, mainly out on loan from Orlando in 2015 to playing in the NASL and playing in kind of a different country, but also not a different country? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's funny, because I get this question a lot, uh, especially with the younger guys, that now since I've been, this will be my, my fourth year as a professional. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the young guy usually anymore, so... Um, the NASL really, I think, is just a lot, was a lot more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was a lot more seasoned players in the in the NASL, a lot more experience, a lot more knowledge, um, you know, a bit more savvy. I think, uh, obviously, it being an, an older league, you, you, get, you get that. So, USL being the younger league, I can remember my time in Louisville, the games that I played. Um, the trainings, it's just a lot more, it's so fast paced, you know, it's, it's very, I can say frantic at times, um, coming from, you know, an MLS environment in Orlando where, you know, I was able to be around, you know, the last player to win a Ballon d'Or before, uh, Messi and, and Cristiano went on their, you know, tear of, of just consistency, um, you know, it was going from that environment in Orlando to USL to then seeing NASL. Um, I definitely do think that the NASL had a lot more in common uh, playing style-wise uh, to the MLS than the USL did. And, you know, my transition to Puerto Rico wasn't wasn't hard at all. You know, I'm thankful that I have uh, a Latin background with my, with my dad. And, um, it's just, that made it a lot easier speaking the language, being able to communicate and, uh, helping teammates that didn't speak English, you know, communicate with other teammates that didn't speak Spanish. So for me, it was, it was a good experience. I mean, it's a beautiful Island right now. I'm in the process of, uh, 
hopefully being able to be eligible to to play for the national team. So that's a big thing for me. And yeah, man, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to to seeing uh, seeing if I have a future over there. Well, excellent. Thank you so much. And we touched on your podcast earlier, but I think we kind of skimmed over it there in the intro. Um, Sydney's got his own excellent podcast, the Sid R10 podcast. I'm curious to know, Sid, what made you want to start the podcast? And do you think perhaps when your playing career is over, you have a future in sports media, sports journalism, something like that? Uh, good question. Um, with so much time and so much uh, just, you know, thinking this off season, I just uh, actually met met uh, a kid that became my friend and he runs his own social media business. So, you know, for us players, it's, we living right now, we're living in an age that social media is king. You know, you can make extra money through social media, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, you know, people want to see that people want to see what, what a professional athlete does day in and day out, what the habits are, what, you know, what they do, what they, what, what they're thinking and that's really, he encouraged me to, to just be more, you know, open on social media. So, um, you know, the podcasting was definitely just something that I think I've, I've been through, I've been through, you know, a lot, uh, so far in, in my life that's gotten me to the point where I am now. So I figured, you know, why not go on and try to connect with, with people that, uh, are going through the same thing that I've been through or have gone through it and maybe are struggling. So um, it's definitely just something that I actually just like doing, you know, I'm pretty personable and I uh, just try to reply to all the messages that I get any, any type of um, email or Twitter message or Instagram DM of people trying to support me and, you know, asking me to handle certain topics. I just really enjoy, uh, you know, sharing what I've been through with, with everyone else. And uh, you mentioned how quickly and how recently you joined Reno 1868. Uh, you're kind of in a weird predicament because uh, I, I don't believe you've made a game day 18 yet. Is that correct? No, sir. Nope. Okay, yeah. So you're you're sort of in, in a weird predicament where, um, you know, your teammates are gearing up for the playoff run, but chances are perhaps um, you're kind of, um, you know, in the back of your mind, you're auditioning kind of in training for a job next year. So is it kind of hard juggling that dynamic where your team's got these playoffs going on? Of course, you're always one injury away from being in there, but um, at the same time, you're kind of auditioning, you know, for the future. So is it kind of difficult juggling that dynamic? Oh, of course, for any player, listen, any player, especially a pro player, I went through this in, in college, you know, but anytime you're in a team environment, obviously your competitive drive just, you know, takes over. So obviously I want to play. Um, and, you know, I work, I work hard in, in training to, you know, if, if my name is called, you know, to be ready. And that's really all, all I can do. You know, I preach control what you can control. And for me, I can control my actions uh, on and off the field. I can control my thoughts. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys here 
And obviously this team has been together for the whole the whole season. So there's a lot of guys here who who you know have been working hard this whole year and um you know are are reaping the fruits of their labor right now. Uh the team has done well. Um pretty sure on a, a very long unbeaten streak right now. So for me personally it's it's good to be back in a team environment. It's good to be testing myself against um other pros again and and being in a highly competitive environment so you know i'm i'm happy to be here um there's no negative thoughts in in my head about you know not being chosen in an 18 you know that i i think the team the team is winning so it's not like i uh i can't control any of that so i'm happy for the guys and I'm just, you know, working as hard as I can to, to better myself every day. And I think that's really, that's really it. That's everything I can control. And I think every pro player, um, you know, playing or not, will, will tell you something similar or, you know, uh, should think like that, you know, just because any negative thoughts isn't, isn't good for anyone. John? Well, that's a very nice and comprehensive thing. And uh, is so now you've had this. This might be a little bit too hard to answer, but you've now had the experience of playing for out on loan in USL and out on loan in USL to an MLS team's USL affiliate, and now signing in USL to a team that's technically an affiliate halfway in Reno with the soccer side managed by the earthquakes. Is it tangibly different from a player perspective, the daily operations between less MLS operated USL sides and more MLS operated USL sides? Um, I think, uh, I would have to say yes. Uh, I think what the biggest difference is is that you know, young young guys or just guys in general that aren't really getting an opportunity at the MLS level, uh, having that security blanket of of going to a USL affiliate um, is is big time for for them because. There's some teams that will, that will be able to to say, you know, listen, this guy's coming and, you know, he's going to play. Um, I know in in my time when I was on loan, you know, that wasn't the case. Everyone had to fight for their minutes, which, you know, is fair, is very fair. Um, but I know there's, there's different situations to where guys I've seen uh, will just come down you know, a day before the game, play, and then, you know, leave. So it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Um, it definitely sucks for, you know, guys who who put in the work here week in and week, day in and day out, week in and week out, um, you know, that they don't get the opportunity to play because someone uh, from an MLS club, uh you know, it's coming down to play. So it's, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, it's for the good and for the bad, but, you know, that's just the way it is. And this is a slightly relevant 
follow-up question. Have you asked Antoine Hoppeno what his secret is? <laughs> in, term, in terms of what? <laughs> For some reason, he teams, tends to be, like, weirdly dangerous, but in really unusual ways. I've I've always noticed that <laughs> he's one of those players that when he's on the field... Things happen a little bit differently than when he's off the field. And, like, his, he's got basically a 70% pass success rate, which is kind of crazy high. And he's leading the USL, or was for a while, in assists. Like, he's, he's like... Yeah. Have yeah, you been yeah, over yeah, there yeah, trying to, did. like, go and, like... So, so how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> No, man, you know, I think Antoine has done well for himself. Uh, funny fact, I, I played with his younger brother growing up uh, in Jersey. Um, but, no, I mean, yesterday I think he just uh, clinched the top single-season assist record for the club. So, uh, big-time congratulations to him. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, I I preach that, you know, at this level – most of the guys who who got to this level is is for a reason you know it's because they're they're good at what they do so me personally i think that if i were to play and i think stats can can show if if i were to play day in or week in and week out you know statistically i would do well um now you know antoine has, has gotten the chance this year and i uh, I think he did very well last year as well to, you know, to play week in and week out, and he's done very well for himself. So I think especially with the games being, with the league growing and the league having more games, these numbers are going to get start to get shattered within the next uh, year or two because of the amount of games is just going to increase. So there's going to be more games for guys to continue to get, you know, 90 minutes um, to get, you know, goals, assists, clean sheets so it's going to be interesting to see but he's definitely i'm happy for him you know i'm definitely you can learn a little bit from everyone and that's one thing i can learn from him and we got a question from our colleague napoon chopra who you know sydney uh funny fact actually uh napoon is actually how we connected with sydney in the first place in fact uh coincidentally very soon after we launched sock takes uh, Napoon just happened to have interviewed a bunch of Puerto Rico FC personnel. I think you, Sydney, and also your former coach, Adrian Whitbread, and uh, also I think maybe your uh, team president, Tom Payne. So it was like right when we launched, we had all this Puerto Rico FC content. It was really awesome. And uh, so, yeah, Sydney was one of the first people I think, you know, I remember, uh, you know, retweeting and retweeting and uh, really connecting with him on social media. So, um, yeah, interesting uh, fact there. And anyway, Napoon asks, how much of a golf inability is there between NASL and NPSL teams, as well as within NPSL teams themselves? Oh, man. I mean, this year, I would have to say that uh, this year it was probably there were there were pro teams. You know, what I mean, the, the the Cosmos team was full of 100 percent pros, I would say. The Motown team that made it to the final was was definitely at least eighty five percent professional, and 
you know, some of these guys are professional at a very high level. So, um, Miami FC basically kept, was a hundred percent professional and very good professionals. Um, but you know, the rest of the league, it's still, the MPSL is, is still a college league. You know, it's, it's a, it's a league for, for guys to, to stay fit in the off season or, uh, I'm sorry, in the summer. And, uh, you know, that the other teams in the MPSL were not, you know, up to par to, to NASL. There, there's a huge gap and playing in those games. You can definitely realize it, the time and the space that you have. Um, but the games that we played against Motown, the games that we played against, uh, you know, the top teams definitely, um, felt like a professional, a professional game. So, I definitely think that that there's still a huge gap. It's going to be interesting to see how uh with the USL rebranding, how the PDL is going to fit in being a league 2 if they're going to do the same thing that the MPSL did with you know being able to to pay guys, obviously with it being PDL and MPSL being amateur. Um you know the reason why Atlantic City wasn't a fully professional team was was because of the college guys. So teams that pay players and at those levels will not be, will not be able to have college guys. So I don't know if, if that's what they want to to happen or, you know, if, if, you know, college guys are going to have less opportunities to, to find teams to play in in the summer or what, but that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch for. But I definitely think that there's a huge gap between MPSL um, and, and NASL. And of course, in 2017, when you were with PRFC, unfortunately, Hurricane Maria came through. Uh, I noticed on your social media, you shared a couple inspiring posts of people you had connected with in the aftermath of that. Uh, so I'll hit you with a little two-part question. What was uh, your personal experience, Your how the storm directly impacted your life? Uh, and then maybe what's like the, uh, the, the most wild or inspiring story that you heard from someone that you connected with in the aftermath of the storm? Oh, man, I mean, um, I stayed, I was in Puerto Rico for Hurricane Irma. Um, and, you know, thank God nothing really, you know, power lines were down. The storm missed, for the most part, missed the island, but it definitely still stripped a lot of people of electricity. Um, I know getting ready for Irma, uh, Costco was packed, uh, supermarkets were packed, they were running out of things. So that was an interesting experience. I'm very happy that, uh, you know, people are very resilient there and very positive. Uh, Maria was, I got out of Puerto Rico, luckily, um, before Maria hit, uh, the day, the day Maria was supposed to hit, I, I caught the last flight, uh, to New York with my girlfriend, but you know, her family stayed and it was definitely, you know, it's, it's a place that's close to my heart. So it was tough, tough to see not being able to contact, uh, my teammates that stayed, um, and then trying to work with, uh, you know, the, Tom Payne, the president to get them off, um, talking to the assistant coaches, um, 
you know, trying to find charter planes and everything. I, I started my own GoFundMe um, donations that uh, when I went back to get my stuff, uh, you know, the place was still, even to this day, there's still places that I'm sure uh, still need a lot of help. I was able to put that money that, that people donated, um, you know, back into the community. I went, you know, to Costco with, with the equipment manager who lives in uh, Dorado, Puerto Rico, where BI kind of passed. So, you know, I was able to help. I'm happy for that. And uh, what, what was the last part of your question, the second part? If you had heard um, like a, a really compelling story that uh, someone else experienced that you connected with in the aftermath. Oh yeah, man. I'm, the first, the first guy that I ended up meeting to drop off, uh, to drop off the care package that I put together with, with the money, you know, he kind of, I do have a social media post on it and his, his whole house was torn apart. He was living basically in, and just the the what was left of his wooden house with just a tarp over it. Um, and you know the guy told me that you know he's staying positive, that this is what he this is what he has, and you know he has still has his life, but that he was very thankful for for all the support that he's gotten. And you know FEMA went in there and was trying to evaluate the damage and seeing if they can help him rebuild. So. Stories like that really just uh, made everything worthwhile, the effort to, to try to help the people, um, you know, as little as it was, you know, it, it definitely made me feel, uh, made me feel happy that I was able to get out and, and help, you know, it's, so it, it was definitely, there's many more stories that were as inspiring as that one, but that one definitely touched me. John, any final questions before we let Sydney get out of here? I think that's actually a pretty nice way to end things. Unless if we if we want to end on a lighter note, we can always ask you something a little bit goofy. <laughs> Whatever you guys want. <laughs> All right, uh, let's 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 end this on a weird note. What's the you, you've played in different leagues, different parts of the North America? Worst field conditions you've ever dealt with. Where were they? Oof. Worst field conditions. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Best field conditions to start is definitely North Carolina FC. That field is impeccable. Wake Med. <laughs> um, worst. Wow. Last year, San Francisco wasn't good at all. I'll be honest with you guys. San Francisco wasn't good. Um, other than that, I mean, turf, listen, we're, we're, we're in a country that, you know, grass is pretty hard. Good grass is hard to maintain like they do in North Carolina. But, uh, you know, turf, turf isn't good for the body. We have a lot of turf fields. Puerto Rico's field definitely did get, when it rained, it wasn't the best. Um, but I got used to it, and I'm not one to complain, so... Uh, a field to field, but San Francisco's up there. I guess you can put, I'm sure guys have complained about, we loved when guys came to Puerto Rico and they complained about the field. That's, uh, you know, we, we were able to train on it and got used to it. The grass was long when it rained, it got soggy. So, uh, 
that's definitely another one. And best is definitely Carolina, North Carolina FC. I've got some and friends what? at Soccer and Sweet Tea that will appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and one final question I did have for you, Sydney, is, you know, I'm based out here in Indianapolis, so we got quite a few Indy 11 listeners for, on our podcast. So I wanted to ask you about two of your now teammates, Brian Brown and Duke Lacroix, both uh, not too long, but both briefly were on the Indy 11. And I'm curious to know what it's like, of course, uh, Brown, I think, has 16 goals on the year, so definitely a breakout season for him. Um, what have you seen, you know, in j- your few weeks being with the team? What do you, what do you see uh, that from Brian Brown specifically? And you can also talk about Duke as well. Um, that really has, you know, made these guys come into their own this year. Brian is is a very laid back, uh, very laid back guy. Man, he's done very well for himself. I think he's benefiting from confidence of putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, I think if you guys go in and watch. Uh, the goal he scored against the Tulsa Roughnecks last Wednesday, I think that just, you know, screams confidence, man. What, uh, you know, it was in a 1v1 situation and confidence and a little bit of luck. You know, the ball goes through the keeper's hands. Um, that's just, you know, that's just the way the ball goes sometimes. He's he's playing well and he's feeling good. So I'm happy for him. You know, he's bun- he's now the top scorer in in the club's history. So that's big time. And, you know, I, I just hope that it can continue. Um, and Duke, I actually grew up playing against Duke. So, uh, we <laughs> we definitely know each other and he's definitely helped me here with, with the little things, uh, getting acclimated to everything in the new club. And so it's, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for those guys. Uh, Duke is now left back and he's doing very well for himself. So it's good to see. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Sydney. Uh, go ahead and tell our listeners where they can not only find you personally, but also find the Sidar 10 podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, guys. So I'm basically on all social media uh, at Sidar 10. Um, definitely working on some, some new projects. Uh, I got my podcast on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's all over. So you know, feel free to uh, follow, send me messages, any type of uh, topics that you'd like me to hit on. Um, training, I post a lot of my training videos on, on social media as well. So, um, yeah, literally anything, I'm, I'm pretty open. So I appreciate the love. Um, thank you guys for having me. And uh, we'll definitely, definitely be doing this, doing this again sometime. Definitely. And John? Where can our listeners find you on the social medias? Uh, I'm pretty much John MLTX everywhere. If you see that on Twitter, that's definitely me. If you see something weird on Instagram, that's also me. If you see somebody complaining about trolls from Austin and r slash MLS with mod flair, that's also definitely me. And... Also on Sock Takes, where uh, we're going to have some uh, some USL-flavored hot takes coming up here soon. And some uh, I'm, gonna, I'm hopping on my arena soccer soapbox for the first time in a while. And we're going to have uh, a lot of good stuff coming up, actually. I've got, a whole, I've got like nine pieces in progress and like 
outlines for another five. Lots of stuff coming. Word. Nice. And I like that. I like that across the whole spectrum. You know, people keep that same handle across all platforms. So anyway, you can follow me, Kevin Johnson, at KJ Boxing, across the spectrum as well. Thanks so much for listening. This has been episode 54. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back either next week or the following with another episode. Until then, take care.